If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program and welcome to a brand new week for me at least and for some of you as you still complete your Sundays, especially those on the West Coast of the United States. Thank you so much for joining us, no matter where you might be. It is great to have you with us as we unpack the government spiel. We choose freedom over control and we try and get to the truth as often as we possibly can on the biggest issues in the world today. This is TNT. Now, 2024 has kind of picked up from where 2023 left us, especially in the West, which is this blind virtue signaling support given to transgender activism. I was talking about this almost daily in 2023, especially in the latter part of the year. And we saw what happened with corporates and retailers in particular that decided to go down the transgender activist line. People voted with their feet. They voted by not purchasing and boycotting some of these firms and corporations. You think of Target, for instance, lost at one stage $70 million in one particular day and then uh, up to $13 billion, I think it was, over a longer period of time. They kind of don't understand how brutal the public can be if you decide to take an extreme view of issues like transgender activism, which is exactly what retailers did. Well, we've got another absolute doozy coming out of the UK, which involves one of the world's most popular grocery retailers encouraging kids to transition to the opposite gender. I kid you not. They've done it again. They've forgotten about what happened in 2023 to other retailers, and they've decided to go the whole hog. Um, my special guest in this edition, by the way, I'll have geopolitical lecturer and commentator Stuart Hooper back on the program. We always get pretty good reaction to what Stuart says uh, when he appears. So we've got a few things to decode from NATO's latest very controversial and con confrontational words about Russia, uh, which won't go down too well. And uh, the incredible poll result, which shows what the world thinks of the Eastern European conflict. What do you think the world's now thinking about what's happening in Ukraine? I'll tell you about that. To Donald Trump's bizarre shoes. Have you been onto this story? It's just bizarre. And it didn't go down too well. And we'll talk about the booze the president received at the same time. From down under today, we have independent New South Wales MP Mark Latham with us. He will have plenty to say about the education boffins who, would you believe, the penny has finally dropped. They've decided to make a widespread statement to criticise the fact that governments and education departments decided to keep kids away from school during COVID-19. The penny has finally dropped, that it was a stupid idea and they were the least affected of any demographic in the world when it came to the virus COVID-19. It's just extraordinary, but uh, it does take a long time for these people to admit defeat and lose face. Uh, we'll go to Victoria a little later and we'll see what Liberal Party MLC Renee Heath has for us. I hear um, that there's still some outrageous commentary by the Green Evangelists in Victoria about how last week's storms had to be the result of climate change. They have no evidence for this. No one would have evidence for this. 
It was a bad storm. And come to think of it, I reckon there have been a few bad storms in Victoria over the past 250 years, do you think? It's just garbage. Um, all of this coming from ABC commentators, but we'll talk to Renee about that. And wait until you hear what totally woke garbage is being forced upon VCE final year students in the state. Uh, Western civilization, for instance, is out. We can't be proud of that. No, no, no. Uh, and guess what's in? Toxic masculinity. That's right. Get rid of anyone masculine, especially when they're white males. Says it all, doesn't it? This is the track that kids are now going through because all of this ideology is foisted upon their curriculum. My talkback lines are ready and raring to go. We've pressed the big red button so you can join in at any time. Don't wait for an invitation. If you uh, have a topic you'd like to set the agenda with, you go right ahead. You don't have to follow what we do here. I'm sure there's something in our program menu there that uh, might trigger your opinions, your views. We'll jump on our talkback lines. You can call in from the United States or Canada on one eight 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 two zero one six four two five. Did I say three eights then? I think so. One eight 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 two zero one six four two five from the UK zero double three double zero two four one zero two six, and from Australia or New Zealand one eight hundred six seven zero three one zero. The best way to have you say unedited, and there's no ceiling on opinion. So go for your life. Let's get on with it. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network, TNT. Bringing you a world view. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, you know, after 43 years in the news and opinion broadcast business, I don't think I've witnessed a more disturbing time in our modern history during which our children have been so mentally distracted and abused. And it's extremely serious, this stuff. And I make no apology for raising it time and time again. It boils down to what schools and corporates are doing to greenlight juvenile gender transition. And I've said before, it's foul and it's extremely destructive. And you'd think that after 43 years in this business, nothing would shock me. But I've got to say, in this twisted space, I am continually shocked I don't think anyone learns. I think the transgender activists are getting their own way because the virtue signaling corporates are falling over to embrace their view of the world. The fact that if you are a born a man, you can just be a woman. And if you are born a woman, you can just be a man. All you got to do is say what you want to be or take a few drugs as if that makes any difference. Sex is binary. End of story. Biological lesson done. Now, the latest comes out of the UK, where one of the world's most celebrated cost-price supermarket chains, Aldi, has lost the plot, somehow poisoned by transgender activism. Have a listen to this. Aldi has issued gender transition guides for all their staff, including publishing an in-house magazine promoting chest binders for transgender children. Chest binders. Now, these are archaic braces to flatten the chests of pubescent girls so that they can appear to look physically more like a male. This comes two years after Aldi laid down the foundations for a new approach to their corporation, saying that they would be encouraging diversity and inclusion. This is just part of it. 
Now, management wants to encourage their 70,000 staff in the UK to bring their, quote, this is their word, truest selves to work. What? Why not just themselves? And Aldi says it will help anyone who has transitioned, is going through a transition, and considering it. This mob sell groceries. I really think they need to stick to their core mission. But it gets worse. The magazine titled Identity by John Lewis shares trans tips for children. Of course you'd do that. Although I wonder how many children work for this company, Aldi. I doubt whether there are people that we could describe as children or not many of them. It contains advice from a controversial trans charity, Mermaids, which, by the way, is currently under investigation by the UK Charity Commission. Campaign head of For the Right of Girls and Women, Joe Batosh, told GB News yesterday, it is just plain dangerous. I mean, to start with, I think it's important to note that there is no such thing as a transgender child. That is an entirely ideological concept. You know, you have adults who might choose to take medical steps towards uh, appearing as the opposite sex, but there is no such thing as a transgender child. Now, Mermaids is currently under investigation by the Charity Commission because they were found to have made a number of safeguarding failings, including sending breast binders, that's like devices, to flatten girls' growing breasts behind parents' backs they were sending them to children. Um, and that, that was a report um, that the, the Telegraph um, um, discovered uh, a while ago now. Um, there have been other safeguarding failures regarding their trustees who have spoken at um, conferences attended by uh, sort of pro-virtuous paedophile groups. Um, one of their trustees was found from spoken at a conference. Uh, he then resigned, but still. Um, so they're a very concerning charity, and they promote as well the idea that if children aren't affirmed in their cross-sex identities, that there's an increased risk of suicide. And that's just not true. Um, and we also know that the side effects from um, cross-sex hormones and particularly from puberty blockers, which, um, which there have been some numerous court cases around, um, are potentially very dangerous. It's just... It just flummoxes me that we still have corporations who think they must go down this track. And they obviously haven't done their homework because this child transition push, especially when it comes to puberty blockers, is being frowned upon by some of the greatest medics in the world, especially in Europe. Now, this advocacy of chest binders, though, I would have thought should be outlawed. The magazine published testimony from a mother of a transgender boy, biological girl, that is, who said binders were always safer than the alternatives. As the UK Telegraph uncovered recently, the Mermaids charity had been offering to send breast binders to children without parental consent. This is the democratic approach in the United States to keep parents in the dark. This is the order coming down from democratic governors to various school boards. Community groups around the UK, what do you think they're doing? They're calling on families to boycott Aldi, as they should. Blogs on this news, for instance, are saying they've described the article as dangerous overstep. And how's this? The company told GB News that transgender people are at higher risk of hate crimes and discrimination and that their magazine was created by their LGBTQIA plus network. Well, maybe the anger and alleged discrimination they talk about has been heightened 
by corporates such as Aldi stepping away from their core role of selling groceries and marching like transgender activists. Maybe that's some of where the anger is being placed. Their promotion of gender transition to innocent children, I would have thought is also very likely to be turning the public against transgender groups as well. That's exactly how I feel. And maybe you feel the same. Let me know. This is TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The Pontiff. Oh, I will tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Type 1 Diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the Type 1 Diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the Type 1 Diabetes community, we're energised by the Type 1 community, and we're accountable to the Type 1 Diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who's supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory. It's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'll get to the severe repercussions of following a net zero strategy a little later in the program when I catch up with Victorian MLC Renee Heath. A little bit of housekeeping in terms of news before I get your uh, instant response from what I had to say about what's going on with Aldi in the UK. Uh, there's been a quite fiery, or I guess you wouldn't describe it as fiery, but you'd say a, a quite wild and violent thunderstorm that came through Sydney around about 30 minutes ago. Uh, four people have been knocked unconscious 
by the lightning strike in an open area very close to the city of Sydney called Sydney's Botanic Gardens. The ambulance service says the group, a teenage male, a woman in her 20s, and a man and a woman in their 30s were standing under a tree when the lightning struck just before 1pm. Paramedics who rushed to the scene treated the two men and two women for burns and cardiac problems. They said they didn't know if the group were directly hit or just the tree. All four were taken to hospital in a stable condition. Thankfully, the teenager and the woman in her 20s were taken to Royal Prince Alfred Hospital while the other two went to St Vincent's. Approximately 19,500 homes have lost power in northern Sydney and the Hunter region in the wake of this storm. So suburbs affected for those listening in Sydney include Balgala, Manly, Turramurra, Hornsby and Barara in Sydney and also Lake Macquarie. So that's the latest in terms of that. I do want to get your instant reaction to what I had to say about what's happening with Aldi. Uh, Lou says on our chat box, which you can be part of on TNTradio.live, Lou says, really? Oh, F Aldi, pee off, leave the kids alone. Couldn't agree more, Lou. Thank you very much for that. Lozzie says, so sick of this trendy crap and pathetic that corporations have to promote it. Otherwise, they lose credit scores and will be made to go broke. It's crazy. They are forced to promote woke stuff. But I'm sure everyone already knew that. Lozzie, thank you very much for pointing all of that out. Let's get to our main guest in this hour on the program. You know, Western leaders have been very quick to blame Russian President Vladimir Putin for the death of former Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. And I've seen some of the commentary today, including from the former Australian Foreign Minister Julie Bishop, who blamed the Russians for doing this and killing Navalny. Now, Navalny has long been backed by the Washington, D.C. headquartered National Endowment for Democracy and has been celebrated by Western elites for his anti-Putin political activism. But what would Putin have to gain from Navalny's death? He was not certainly posing any kind of problem just being jailed. And we're yet to see any of the evidence that a lot of people are prepared to avoid. My next guest will discuss this and a whole heap more. Stuart J. Hooper is a lecturer in political science and PhD researcher. He studies the military-industrial complex, elites, war and globalism, is published on numerous websites and in academic journals, and he joins us from Lawton in Oklahoma. Stuart Hooper, welcome back to TNT. Great to be back, Chris. Really appreciate the invite, as always. Uh, thoughts definitely go out to those of you over in Australia suffering from severe storms. Um, I'm here in Oklahoma, so very much in the centre of storms in the United States as well, so they can be very serious. And uh, Yes, of course, Oklahoma is uh, a centre a point for the, uh, the regular uh, outbreak of storms. Um, Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese holds Putin responsible for Navalny's death, echoing other Western leaders. As I said, the former Foreign Minister, Julie Bishop, who had a lot to do with Putin, blames him as well. What would Putin have to gain by taking Navalny out? He was in prison. He was certainly not being given any kind of uh, link to the media. He wasn't threatening the Kremlin. So what's in it for Putin? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting question and also um, comes down to determining how are you going to determine uh, or define precisely murder in this particular instance? So is putting someone in a Siberian penal colony, is that setting them up 
to die, essentially. I think you could quite easily make that argument. Um, but in terms of what he actually gains from this, not entirely sure there's a whole lot. I mean, as you said, he was already taken off of the political radar, so to speak, um, very much in um, a confined area where he didn't have too much influence, too much impact on the wider political world within Russia. But there is also this undercurrent of what does a figure who still exists out there in the world, what sort of impact might they have? I think there's somewhat of a parallel here when you look at how the Western world has treated a figure like a Julian Assange and you look at the consistent um, pursuit of Assange, the consistent pursuit of WikiLeaks, and you see that the Western world is trying to destroy this figure of opposition, someone that represents um, a violation of what the Western world stands for. Um, perhaps Navalny represents that similar sort of violation of the Russian worldview of Putin. But again, to directly go ahead and kill this guy, I'm not really sure that I see the the, the rationale in doing this. It that de definitely doesn't seem to have um, an immediately positive impact for Putin and his government because we've seen how it's already being used, which is, well, Look how Putin treats his opposition. Russia's not a democracy. Russia's invading Ukraine, and therefore they add all of these dominoes up, and, the, and therefore what do they conclude with? Make sure you sign that $60 billion check to Ukraine, because otherwise more stuff like this is going to occur. So that's, of course, the real bottom line of all of this. Um, regardless of who killed him, whether or not it was deliberate or accidental, or maybe he literally just killed over and had a heart attack. I mean, that's unfortunately what happens to a lot of people in the world, right? It just kind of does. Um, the bottom line here is that this whole situation is being exploited by the military industrial complex in the Western world to push ahead this new request for, again, that $60 billion, which yeah. trust me, as someone that lives in small town, Oklahoma, could be far better spent right here in the United States. You're not wrong. Yeah, it's funny. I can't work it out. I, I don't understand the, log the logic of it all that Russia would, have anything to gain by taking out Navalny, but I do understand what you're saying, and I can see the direct link. You know, at a time when um, you've got most of the world, especially leaders in the Western world, saying, "Come on, let's let's gather our hats around and collect that sixty billion dollars, give it to Vladimir Zelensky." And while that is being pushed, this is the perfect way to push it. Yeah, and this, of course, is combined with the new apparent national security threat. And this was kind of kept under wraps for a good few hours in the United States. What's this new big national security threat? Then somewhere in the region of 12 to 24 hours later, more stuff starts to trickle out. But all of a sudden, now there are Russian space-based nuclear anti-satellite weapons well, convenient, right? How how could that information suddenly <laughs> leak out to the press right on the, the exact same moment that we need someone's signature on a check for $60 billion, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just miraculous how we can suddenly have all of this. I mean, so people have already got to wake up to the fact that we're being scammed here. Um, we're being taken for a ride here. Um, not to say that Russia should have invaded Ukraine. They absolutely shouldn't. And I think that was a disastrous geopolitical move on Putin's part. But the response to this from the West has been a disaster. And like I've said, um, you look at what's going on domestically in the United States, in the United Kingdom, um, in most places in the w Western world right now, um, 
Netherlands, Germany, I mean, name you name your Western European country, right? They need domestic focus, right? We've had too many decades of going around the world with military adventurism, which has amounted to a grand total of nothing. Yeah. It's time to look inward. And the US in particular needs a peace dividend that it has never really gone. Yeah, you make a very good point. Grand total of nothing. You're exactly right. Now, Tucker Carlson, um, he's been pilloried by his usual enemies for being so pro-Russian, but he went to a grocery store and had a look at the prices and realised that the sanctions obviously weren't working and that, uh, as I said at the time, it shows that those who are trying to employ uh, sanctions and hurt Russia wouldn't have the first idea how to make that happen because they've failed dismally. Um, and, and he found a country that was opposite to what the Western media usually portray, didn't he? Yeah, so the, the thing with this, <clears throat> and sanctions in particular, is the whole idea of sanctions is to get the target country's population to turn against its yep. leadership class. So the whole idea is, well, we make life really terrible, for the population population will turn against the leader overthrow the leader bring in somebody new who's more amenable to us someone who's going to be more friendly to us well the problem is this has failed then on two levels because first off it hasn't achieved that this domestic punishment on the russian population upon which this was designed so that's failed um and secondly why has it failed well because the rest of the world, um, I don't know if it's accurate to say the majority of the rest of the world, but a, let's say a large portion of the rest of the world, we're talking places like um, China, India, places with massive populations, have refused to go along with all of this and toe the line and have continued to trade with Russia. So Russia's um, connections with the wider world have kept it alive kept it afloat and we see that we're entering a multi-polar global situation um perhaps bipolar um perhaps more likely multipolar but we're seeing that there are now alternative power centers that countries can turn to in the 1990s the us was the only game in town and it could have used that momentum really for creating a better a more constructive world that worked on the basis of true liberal values, um, true democracy throughout the world. But instead, what did it do? It used and abused its position of power to essentially force the rest of the world into its own image. Um, well, now there are other options. You no longer have to follow the American model. You can follow the Chinese model, the Indian model. Um, Perhaps the Argentinian model. We'll see how that goes. I'm not too optimistic about what, what Malay is going to be able to do down there. Um, but the point being that the US is no longer the only game in town. The West is not the only game in town. And how is the West going to manage what is unfortunately a global decline? Yeah, you, you've looked at the wider picture and that's exactly the shift that's going on. Not necessarily before our very eyes, but... It's certainly happening behind and in front of the scenes. Let's just take a bit of a break. I've got to get to some news, Stuart, and we'll come back with you. Plenty more to talk about, including a little bit more about what's happening in Ukraine with Stuart Hooper, geopolitical lecturer and also media commentator. We'll get back to him in just a second. This is TNT. TNT. Here's what's making news. TNT Radio News.
Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Following months of fierce fighting on the front line in Ukraine, Russia has seized control of a key city in the Donetsk People's Republic. In a desperate effort to stay relevant, failed US presidential candidate Hillary Clinton appears to be trying to reignite her fight with Donald Trump. And the US ambassador to the UN says Washington will veto a Security Council resolution demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza because it doesn't suit the White House's agenda. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, good to have your company. I've got Stuart Hooper with me. Now, Stuart, something bizarre happened related to Donald Trump over the last 24 hours. And that's not a surprise. Something bizarre usually happens related to Donald Trump, but it's usually got to do with uh, legal prosecutions and indictments at the moment. But it was just a, a normal rally. He wasn't in he wasn't in friendly territory. He was in Philadelphia. Uh, he was promoting, of all things, Trump-branded sneakers in an unexpected campaign stop in Philadelphia. He copped booing along with cheers. Have a listen to this. Wow. A lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this room. Thank you. Thank you. So, so the really nice thing is we have lines, and I want to thank Chase, and I want to thank Alan. It's not often that he gets booze, but he was in semi-enemy territory there, no doubt surrounded by a lot of Trump supporters, but semi-enemy territory. And the sneakers at, uh, I think, something like $355 a pop. He's a bizarre character, but at the end of the day, he's probably the only human being capable of putting a stop to what's happening in Ukraine. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so this uh, this is definitely um, right out of the Trump playbook for sure. This sort of um, marketing campaign, this sort of memorabilia um, of Trump and everything that he's uh, standing for. Um but yeah, gets this very strange crowd reaction. Uh, I'm not sure this is reading the room as well as he usually does a pretty good job of doing, right? He's like him or hate him. I think it's fair to say that he's usually pretty good at reading the room and reading what's going to go over well, what's not going to go over so well and how to get people on side. Yeah, at a time of rampant, infl- rampant inflation, um, uh, domestic economy that on many metrics is not going in the right direction um people working multiple jobs to stay afloat um all of this sort of stuff yeah this is probably not the best time to pitch 400 sneakers especially not to the people that trump really wants on site which are um particularly white working class voters a massive block of his um constituency right so this is not really gonna appeal to them uh too much Interesting novelty item, though, nonetheless, and will undoubtedly go for perhaps thousands of dollars on eBay. Um, yes. <laughs> in terms of, yeah, in terms of his uh, what he's going to do with Ukraine or whether or not he'll be able to solve this. I mean, this is a really tough one to to really think about and get your head around. I mean, he's claimed at multiple points that this would never have happened under his administration. Um, I mean, maybe, but maybe not. He was very let's say strong in terms of the rhetoric 
against NATO, but really didn't make too many material changes to the US involvement with NATO. Um, didn't make too many material changes to US involvement in the wider world. So kept all of the hundreds of military bases open. Um, did some things that were perhaps questionable. The assassination of Soleimani in Iran would probably go to the very top of that list of unfortunate foreign policy incidents. Um, the moving of the embassy um, in Israel. So he's mm -hmm. definitely done some things to stir up the global hornet's nests, which exist everywhere, as we are unfortunately finding out. Um, but yeah, I don't honestly know what he's going to do if he does get into office and this war in Ukraine is still going on. Um, it's likely also that it may have just fizzled out by the time he eventually gets into office, or we could hope that it would have fizzled out by then. And of course, he will be able to then claim that, well, this is because they knew I was coming or they knew I was going to get elected. <laughs> so they quickly wrapped up the conflict. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have an accurate prediction on that but it's going to be an interesting one to watch to say the least very true indeed you know it's funny you talk about the 60 billion dollar check that everyone seems to be trying to get the world to sign trying to get congress to sign off on and you've got certain things that are occurring that are being used by the military complex to make that happen and yet the latest poll that i saw today says that the public doesn't give a damn about a war in Ukraine. Roughly 70% of Americans want the Biden administration to push Ukraine towards a negotiated peace with Russia as soon as possible, according to a new survey from the Harris Poll and the Quincy Institute with publishers Responsible Statecraft. Why are so many politicians avoiding what seems to be a trajectory of sentiment, especially in America? Yeah, so for me, this is a, a great expose of the fact that in the Western world, we pretend that we're playing democracy. Um, in a lot of ways, we don't live in a democracy at all. Yes, you vote for someone and that person goes into a Houses of Parliament or a Congress or some really fancy building somewhere and they wear a nice suit and they strut around and they talk like they have power. But there are institutions beyond, far beyond, in many cases, the power of a government, the power of a state, the power of a congressman, the power of an MP to control these institutions, such as the military industrial complex, the amalgamation of political, economic and military forces that actually benefit from violence. So these things have such a massive influence on the elected, let's say, branches of government, that they don't really have too much um, way to respond to a poll like this, because your politicians are not really responding to you. They're not responding to the average person on the street. Mm. They're responding to these other entrenched institutional interests. Now, this is, of course, where a Marxist would go ahead and say, well, this all then comes back to capitalism and corporations and things like this. Well, I think we have to be a little bit more nuanced than that and understand that there are these power centers that exist beyond just the realm of the economic as well. So there are political power centers, these global think tanks, things like the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group. There are military institutions, things like NATO, which we've now discussed extensively, that exist well beyond your ability to vote upon what they do, but they have a massive 
um, finger, let's say, on the scales of influence. And it's a much stronger finger than you and I will have in our vote. Which, so which underlines of- exactly what you said in the first sentence. And I had to write it down because we pretend we're playing democracy. That's so true. Yeah, and I'm almost going off the rails into like a wholly academic discussion, so please accept my apologies. <laughs> but, but the point is, right, we we have all of these polls and there are so many uh, pieces of evidence that show us that, yeah, these people are not responding to the people on any conceivable level. Um, when you can have these massive billion-dollar checks signed to foreign countries, um, giving away this money, which is essentially laundered, in this case, back through the military-industrial complex... <clears throat> Meanwhile, you have many cities in America with crumbling roads and no sidewalks and schools and hospitals that are falling apart. No domestic health care system whatsoever. But we have all of this money to, to funnel off overseas. Um, and you've now had multiple instances of people in New York City that are on the streets protesting the fact that the governor of the city is planning on handing out this 50 plus million dollar program to um, illegal immigrants that have yeah. found themselves in New York. Yep. Now, again, with this, right, we can be for or against immigration and we might just want to generally take care of immigrants. That's a good goal. But how can you square that with the fact that you have homeless Americans on the street that have nothing and what yeah. are you giving them? You so this goes beyond this left-right paradigm, which is really important. Yeah, very true. Glad you said it. Let's get back to NATO. Uh, the Secretary-General, Jens Stoltenberg, recently said, the West must be prepared for decades-long confrontation with Russia. Why is NATO pushing this line? Again, it's about the check, isn't it? Yeah, well, it comes down to what NATO is. NATO is literally invested in the continuation of or the potential of global conflict. Yeah. If global conflict goes away, NATO goes away, meaning all of the people that are in power within NATO go away too. They're they warmongers, to Stuart, else. aren't they? They're warmongers. Exactly, because they are literally politically, militarily and economically interested in wars breaking out. They do not have a job unless there's a war that breaks out. Put it like that on its most basic level. Yeah, very true. On Friday, former White House aide John Bolton claimed US President Joe Biden's efforts to punish Moscow over the Ukraine crisis have failed and his rhetoric um, and weak leadership have only encouraged more aggression by the Russian leader. Um, Bolton is a controversial character, but... Uh, does he make some sense in what he had to say there? Yeah, I mean, with with Bolton, he's a very interesting one. And and when we look at what may or may not happen, I think, post-Ukraine, I think what Putin said in the Tucker Carlson interview is pretty interesting. Now, a lot of people have just said that this is a, this is a joke, there's nothing really happened in that. I think those people have not sat and watched the whole two plus hour interview, which I would argue everyone watching this should do. And you should actually watch it as well, just for the facial expressions, the body language, stuff like that. There's a lot that comes through in this. The argument that Putin essentially makes, which again, we should of course take with a grain of salt and there we need to corroborate this from the other side if it's all possible, is that while he was initially in office, he was trying to reach out to the West, try to include Russia in the West, in Western organizations and institutions. And every single time he tried to do that, he was rebuffed and it failed. So what did he do? He embarked upon this 
um, mission for really for regional hegemony, for regional control, for a regional sphere of influence. Um, so that's what this war in Ukraine really represents. The, the possibility of it spreading and going further, I don't know. I mean, especially when you look at some of these smaller countries in NATO, I mean, with these polls, we have 70% of Americans saying that they want a negotiated re um, resolution to the war in Ukraine. Mm. If Putin does invade one of these really tiny, smaller NATO countries way up there, right, um, which most Americans can't find on a map, most Brits can't find on a map, most Australians probably couldn't find on a map, right? Are we willing to just go ahead and, you know what? World War III, let's go ahead and do it. I don't think so. I think you're going to be really hard-pressed to form a military fighting force that's going to be able to fight that battle. Yeah. They don't have the stomach for it. All right, one last one. I want to turn to the Middle East, if I may, Stuart. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vows the Rafah operation will happen and over 1.4 million displaced will be moved north. Hang on a minute. They told them to go south because they'd be safe. And now they're coming after the South. They want, to, want them to move north. Um, his critics are saying it's genocide. I don't know whether it's genocide, but I do know it's going awfully close to it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know whether it's genocide, but I do know it's going awfully close to it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I mean, genocide, if, we, if you're really looking at genocide, as bad as nearing 30,000 dead, as bad of a number as that is, it would actually be far worse than that. In my analysis, I think the best technical term for this, if you can call it that, would be ethnic cleansing. I think that's what we're really seeing here. Um, and we've had these also rumors over the past week that Egypt is getting ready to open its border and accept a mass number of refugees. I mean, that is ethnic cleansing. I mean, if Israel does not allow those people back, which is why they have not, Egypt, that is why Egypt hasn't opened the door yet already, that's ethnic cleansing. So I think that's the big problem here. And this has just been a disaster on, on so many levels. Yeah, as you, as you said, Chris, go south, you'll be safe. Go north, you'll be safe. Um, the, the problem is, if they send them back north, the north no longer exists um, in many physical, tangible ways. I mean, most of the buildings have been destroyed or damaged. I mean, there's no infrastructure anymore, electricity, water supply. They've created a humanitarian disaster that was really the last thing the world needed right now. And someone is going to have to deal with it. Um, who that someone is going to be, I have no idea. Um, but I, I do not see a bright future for Palestinians or this situation in Gaza. No. I uh, concur completely. Um, I've got to leave it there. We've run out of time that went so quickly because you got through so many issues so succinctly. It's great to have you back on the program, Stuart. Thank you very much for the analysis. Appreciate it, Chris, as always. I'll be back anytime. Good on you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, Stuart Hooper, lecturer in political science and PhD researcher. Uh, but more importantly, he's been able to look at Navalny's death and other circumstances that are happening in the world right now and how they're all being used by the military industrial complex as an argument or an excuse for money to be passed by Congress to go into the pockets of Ukraine because it keeps the wheel of the military industrial complex turning. And 
there is more of an explanation and more of a dot joining that you can do on that argument than you can do for Putin allegedly wanting Nalvani to die. I don't get it. And, of course, we have circumstances in other parts of the world where um, accidents happen. It's not just a, a deliberate strike. It's actually a, a punishment or a um, some kind of interrogation that's gone wrong. That's also a possibility. We didn't discuss that, but that could be a possibility. It's gone wrong. So the stuff up came before the conspiracy. Anyway, I just find it interesting that they instantly run straight at the eyes of Putin as the possible murderer in this scenario. I cannot see a single reason why. Maybe you can. If you can, give me a call on our Talk back numbers. Love to hear what you've got to say from the US or Canada. 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. This is Chris Smith on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The lunacy of the phony climate war continues to take victims the United States Constitution was smeared by a couple of people who, quite frankly, should have the book thrown at them and put in jail because of their belief that the climate is out of control and that they deserve clean air, water, food, and a livable climate. It is hard to believe, hard to fathom in any rational world how these people have been brainwashed like this. But what we have to do is get to the bottom of whoever is brainwashing them whoever is enabling them. And we all know who that is. We all know what this is all about. And it's just hard to believe that people put up with this. You know, unless you can define objectively the truth, if the truth is relative, this is what is going to happen. Here are the facts, folks. No matter what you think about CO2 or whatever, life has never been better on planet Earth. And we have a population of ingrates grown out of the idea that they deserve something better than what they have, even though the fact is life has never been better on planet Earth. And they are definitely trying to cause a rebellion. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. From weather and traffic reports, to news of political developments. We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. 
C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je ne m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Thank you very much, Tony. Tony from Sydney has sent me an email and uh, wants to have something to say about Donald Trump. He says, I go by Donald's actions and don't take notice of the noise that the fake news like to report about Donald Trump, although the $400 shoes is a bit much, but he is desperate to pay off the lawyers and the bill from his court loss, Chris. Well, not to mention a certain presidential campaign, which doesn't come cheap. Um, and he doesn't know what he's going to be up for in some of these indictments if, of course, they end up seeing he can, him convicted. So, Tony, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. So you're right. It's probably sensible. And as Stuart says, $400 shoes, they might boo, boo about them and complain about them. They'll probably go on eBay for $1,000. Um, they're incredible piece of merch. And why can't he release merch? Every other person does. Anyone of note or celebrity uh, tag, an influencer tag, they always put their merch online. Why can't he? Uh, from London, just a little bit of news before I go to your calls on the talkback lines. From London, a British judge has given the go-ahead to a mass legal action against Facebook owner Meta, potentially worth three billion pounds. This is massive. Now, the case is being brought by legal academic Dr. Lisa Lovedahl-Gormson on behalf of 45 million Facebook users. Her original claim was refused in 2023, but a revised version has now been accepted by the court with early 2026 said to be the latest it could be heard. Bizarre. So much for just as being done quickly. Meta said the claims remain entirely without merit and will be vigorously defended against. The new claim alleges Facebook has struck an unfair bargain with its users. It claims Facebook abused its dominance by making users give, give it their data from non-Facebook products, including Meta-owned Instagram and other third-party sites. Gee, I think that's a sound argument. You think about what they've done with what you have in terms of your personal data on Instagram and how they just consumed it, absorbed it on Facebook. And for most of us, if you're not in the game, you're not looking at these things, how do you actually know the links between the various companies? I think it's a fair claim, which is why the judge has said we will hear it and it'll be heard in 2026. Let's go to our talkback lines. Siv, welcome back. Great to be here. How are you going, Chris? Very well, thank you. That's good to hear. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it back to our shores, or where you and I are talking from, and that's Australia, because we've got we've start we've got a discussion about immigration that's fired off again, because the left in this country don't necessarily believe in nation states or borders. Quite a lot of them actually don't believe in nation states or borders, yet they're quite happy to have borders around their homes. Nobody will, nobody from the left invites us into their houses to help ourselves to the fridge, but they're quite happy to do it to the rest of society. And, uh, you know, the Prime Minister's under fire because um, the two boats have arrived in some Aboriginal community and they've apparently not been detected. I mean, I don't know how that happens. Well, I'll tell you how it happens. And I'm going to talk with Mark Latham about this in around about 20 minutes' time. 
One of the things that Peter Dutton has made the point of saying in the last 12 hours is the fact that Sovereign Borders lost $600 million on its budget um, revenue. So That's basically the they've taken... as well, yeah. Yeah, they've taken away... Yeah, you're talking about temporary protection visas, and they've yep. taken away the amount of resources they have to protect our borders. No wonder they weren't seen. No wonder they were allowed to go straight on shore. That's right. That's right. And to all these, you know, I refer to them as the Kumbaya types because they don't live in the real world. To all you guys who continually advocate on behalf of asylum seekers and refugees, particularly those who like to come in through the back door, and yes, I, I know that, the bigger story is that those who are coming in on aeroplanes on, you know, uh, sure. fraudulent visas and stuff. But yep. to those of you who advocate on behalf of asylum seekers, where are you guys opening up your front doors, opening them wide up, making sure your fences are ripped out? Where are you guys coming out and inviting us all to help ourselves to the fridge? You're not Never. doing it, you bloody no. hypocrites. Yeah, and this could be, for those who don't watch Australian politics very closely, this could be election changing. This could change this government. This could be the end of Anthony Albanese, Siv. If we have a leaky boke system uh, to the degree that we saw during the Julia Gillard years, we will have a public that will turn on the Labor Party for returning to what they know best, which is allowing illegals to come into the country. They don't believe in they don't believe in a nation state or borders. No country, and you're seeing it in America. You see, I mean, I know their problems and the European problems, and you need the British problems are a little more extreme than ours. But you're seeing it with them. No nation state can survive open door policies like this. It's it surely can't. So, I, I it, you're right. I think it'll be a matter of time, and I will go. Well, we don't. We actually want borders and we want a safe country, and you people aren't giving it to us, and we're going to vote you out for it. Good to talk to you, Chris. Good on you, Siv. Great, uh, great view of what is a moving and developing story in Australia right now, which I'll focus on when I catch up with Mark Latham, the independent uh, MP from the New South Wales Parliament. Just quickly, some news out of San Francisco. Uh, most of the world's largest tech companies, including Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, have agreed to tackle what they are calling deceptive artificial intelligence in elections. Now, this is a mammoth issue. It has been in the last two elections and it will be in 2024. You can bet your house on it. The 20 firms have signed an accord committing them to fighting voter-deceiving content. They say they will deploy technology to detect and counter the material. Who decides what material is okay to be allowed through and what material has to be taken out? Who decides the truth? This is the only problem in having a censorship model. Who decides the truth? The issue has come into sharp focus because it is estimated up to 4 billion people will be voting this year in countries such as the United States, the United Kingdom and India. Signatories include social media platforms X, Snap, Adobe and Meta, the owner of Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp. So they've agreed to tackle deceptive artificial intelligence in elections. But who decides what can be allowed through and what can't be allowed through? That is the big question. All right. Julian Assange's two-day public hearing will be uh, on tomorrow and the following day in the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. 
And TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice. You do not move from where you are right here on TNT because we'll be there broadcasting and covering the entire two days, if, of course, two days are required. And then we're broadcasting uh, a number of days after that from various locations in London. So that will be very special indeed. Um, So we're lighting the fuse for freedom and we're standing right behind Julian Assange as he faces such a very, very important two-day hearing at the Royal Courts. Let's just hope that a little bit of sense and understanding uh, goes a long way in this hearing. We will know and you'll hear it right here on TNT. Let's take a break. We've got to get you a news bulletin. Mark Latham coming up, Renee Heath as well. And I'll also touch on this major issue in Sydney at the moment with the uh, uh, asbestos outbreak at about 10 different locations, schools being closed, etc. Asbestos is a, a terrible thing, bringing on terrible disease right around the world. Well, it's broken out again uh, in mulch in Sydney, so we'll do that and cover that story next on the program.